welcome back to the Bring It Back podcast. My name is Nathan. And I'm Micah. And we wanna just have really authentic, unique conversations and try to tackle different topics that maybe you don't hear kind of navigated through the lens that we'll look at things through. We're gonna use the Bible as the lens and the foundation that builds our worldview and gives us kind of the answers to some of these questions that we're talking about. So thanks for joining and let's get into it. Well, uh, hey guys, have you guys been to Carlton's Landing? Because you should go, it's very cool. We were just talking about that because Micah got back from a bachelor weekend. Mm-hmm. Micah, all of his bachelor friends, and also a lot of bachelorette, not friends, mm-hmm. that were not made because no attempt was made <laughs> to become friends with them. And there's let's, nothing. lest us forget one other party, a group of moms who whatever was made. <laughs> I love moms. So yeah, Carlton's Landing. Um, I definitely, every time I've been there, it has felt majority female. Majority female. Gathering. Um, there's not many more intimidating groups than a bachelorette party, I think is what I've decided. Intimidating and also, yeah, I guess these are kind of similar words, but not quite. Also, just got kind of scared, like because they're I'm maybe scared. Feral. They've always they've all been drinking a little bit. They're yeah. all on like they're just feeling extra quirky, yeah, because they're on their bachelorette weekend, so they're doing all the fun stuff. They're wearing their sashes or whatever. It is. I don't yeah. know. Bachelor bachelor parties. Well, that I've been, but I know people do different things. Yeah, most of mine are always just fun. Like I was, we just play big ball card games, hang out, hang out, like. It's it's a weekend that you're like, okay, I have to make a priority because he's about to get married. Yeah. But it's just the boys hanging out. Yeah, it really feels just more like a hangout time. Yep. But every time I go and we do something, because I've had, like, three of my good friends have gotten married or are getting married, so I've done, like, three in the last six months. Every time I'm like, man, it'd be so easy to just, like, no agenda, not even a reason to celebrate. Just get some guys, go down to a lake house for two days. You get enough people. Not that expensive. It's really not. It's doable. I don't know why we don't have that sense of i don't know time where yeah. we're like hey let's prioritize it and make it happen let's do that we should go to a lake or something fun where are we gonna go shooting yeah we can this place yeah we can do that well, well i feel like we'll, whatever ben said he couldn't go yeah kind of died we can get we can get it worked out with ben right after this let's, let's just pick somebody other than ben. i love ben but ben's like, <laughs> okay like, is he gonna be the reason that we don't do this thing <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah um so uh no good transition we're talking about tongues today and I actually don't know what you believe on tongues, so this will be fun. In art, you don't know because I don't really know. <laughs> uh, tongues has been one of those things that has been a part of my like understanding or faith or belief in God that also takes a pretty far back seat as far as like when I how do I put this thing into practice? I ended up uh, going to my parents' house. Happy Mother's Day. Because I love moms. Just wishing. Well, that's actually a better reason. I just <laughs> like wishing other men Happy Mother's Day on Mother's Day, and we all giggle. You know, it's funny. Um, but I was over at my parents' house, and then my brother went to my parents' church for Mother's Day. And he was just recounting what his experience was. He loved it. He loved Sunday school because they actually have at my parents' church a time set aside for adults to go and sit in a very formal 
education environment. I love it. And study the scripture. I love that. Um, and there, there are people who I would say are great teachers and may even have the, the gifting of being a pastor, but really are just great teachers and want to teach the word yep. that are parts of our church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't necessarily get that opportunity. So Not all that being said, that's great. My dad is one of those teachers. He used to be a pastor um, and he loves teaching the word. And mm-hmm. all these people come week after week because they just are. That's a part of the worship experience. Yeah. It's edifying. It's great. Um, studying the word and then going in and have, you know, participating in corporate worship, singing songs, tithing and mm-hmm. learning a, a different style of teaching with someone who's a, a speaking engager. Yeah. Um, but my dad was recounting some of his previous experiences and and maybe some of the wounds or pains that he experienced in growing up in United Pentecostal uh, denomination. And he said, you know, quite like simply that for you to become a believer, like the, the expectation was that there would be a great and powerful encounter with God. Dare I say a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that That there would be a moment of you know, transformation that you could look yeah. back on and say, this happened right here. Right. And then, um, yeah, hopefully you got baptized by the Holy Ghost, uh-huh. you know, and, and if not, well, then you you best keep trying. Um, and that way you'd be at least fairly confident that you'd be going to heaven. Right. And that was, you know, a, a majority of his childhood and, and upbringing. And so as, as he's grown and then, you know, passed on different things to us, um, yeah, that was something my parents were actually really sensitive to was not a forcing of the baptism, still wanting, you know, to receive a, a blessing like mm-hmm. the God manifesting in our lives in miraculous and incredible ways is awesome because yeah. it does give us those kind of touch points. Um, I do have one story that I'll share after yeah. you talk for a little bit, but about an experience that I had at a church yeah. um, with that. But that's where my things started. And most of the time I come back to the point of like, well, is me giving, you know, speaking in a language that God can understand and maybe people who have the blessing of interpretation can also communicate to others. Is that absolutely integral to my faith and understanding who the character and nature of Jesus is Mm -hmm. on a daily basis? My short answer is no. And so it's kind of one of those things that gets parked in a little corner over there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is one of the weird ones. And then I kind of move on. From yeah. It, right. So that's where I'm coming So let's from. talk about it. Yeah. That's why I love talking about it. Uh, yeah, that's good. And I think even before I jump in, I think I just reaffirm just because I know hopefully people have been listening to these gifts of the spirit ones as we go is that like the gifts aren't the goal. The goal is relationship with the father and the goal is edification of the church. The goal is to love people. But these gifts are a way in which we can love people in which we can know God. So we're not pursuing the gift of prophecy just to pursue prophecy. We're pursuing it to to know God, to help other people know God. Um, but I think with the gift of tongues is it's really interesting because I feel like um, my thought on the gift of tongues recently is kind of from two different camps where there's, um, like we've alluded to the cessationists that would point to um, the gift of tongues as being like unintelligible nonsense, basically, mm-hmm. and that people are drunk in the spirit, they're, they're muttering things that are not intelligible, Um, that there's no interpreter like we see in scripture and we'll talk about all that. And then actually, I think on the other side is there's Pentecostals for the most part who are pro speaking in tongues. There's charismatics who are also pro speaking in tongues, maybe in a little bit of a different context. 
And then the third party that actually I think has maybe not frustrated is not the right word, but that I've been thinking about the most is these charismatic, continuous, whatever you want to call it, that are so pro interpret your gift of speaking in tongues that there's no desire to pursue speaking in tongues. So then you don't need to interpret if no one ever speaks in it. So their camp is almost like you should not speak in tongues unless you interpret. And then there's no desire to speak in tongues. Yeah, I think this conversation is important for people who maybe would be in that camp where your thought is, yeah, I think speaking in tongues happens, but it needs to interpret. And I'll say that I believe that we can interpret it, but really I'm not going to actually practically believe that. Because if I really believed it, I would probably pray to speak in tongues, sure. but I'm not. So my camp is just going to be the safe one of taking out the weird, quote unquote, yeah. gifts of the Spirit and just being a safe charismatic. And I think that's been kind of the one that I've been thinking a lot about is that mindset. Yeah, I think that's mm, that's more of the people that I bump into mm-hmm. now. Maybe, maybe there are more in the past that were like, hey, this is... You you get this, you right. pursue this, and until you do, then who knows if you're really saved? Right. Um, and that that's kind of scary and manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, but this like, hey, well, if you don't, if nobody's really saying anything, nobody's really interpreting, then we're we're not risking doing something wrong mm-hmm. and stepping outside the bounds of the will of God. Yeah, um, yeah, and that that's kind of that reminds me more of like a, a lukewarm faith of something where it's like, well, I'm not really hot i'm not really cold but if i kind of balance it and i'm on this teetering you know fine edge then god will be happy with me and yeah. i won't i won't upset him and have give him reason to not love me or just upset people yeah or others yeah mm-hmm. yeah so and even as you say that like we've talked about it every week but in first corinthians 14 like earnestly desire the the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy but like one of the spiritual gifts that it talks about is the gift of tongues so I don't want to treat this gift any differently than any of the other ones just because we're uncomfortable with it. So I yeah. think one of the worst things we can do is avoid talking about the gift of prophecy or praying, um, sorry, tongue, tongues, or um, just not seek after and pray for the gift of tongues because it makes us uncomfortable. That's what I don't want to do. So um, I think you alluded to kind of the more Pentecostal viewpoint and you grew up more Pentecostal than I did, and I think are more familiar. So I'll probably let you speak more to kind of like what the Pentecostal view of gift of tongues would be, which you've alluded to, that of being like the evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You want to touch on a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it, is that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, another term that Pentecostals use more often is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And um, that to be sure of your salvation there had to be an indwelling there had to be evidence of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. of the holy ghost getting a hold of you right and um yeah tongues like i uh if if there was and this is where like it it gets kind of like intimidating to to think about is this really what a group of people believes like losing control of yourself and uttering nonsensical words mm-hmm. that that is um you know a, an isolated moment in time that you can look back on and say i know that god is real because that is something that's not normal and then i can i can be confident uh that i have now received this paracletus this helper mm-hmm. who will aid me in you know distinguishing right from wrong and to bring uh wholeness to the earth by means right. of Jesus Christ. So, um, 
there, there would, you know, there's different sects even inside of the Pentecostal right. subcategory or flavor where you could go so far as to have people running around like doing laps mm-hmm. just in an expression of overwhelming joy. And genuinely, I do believe that that is a real thing. I do as well. Um, I would prefer flag twirlers over the guy <laughs> who sits there holding his coffee in one hand with his yeah. his other pocket. Sure. Um, and so, you know, taking taking laps around and, um, you know, hooping and hollering, that, that became like a another type of um, expression of tongues. I think it kind of graduated from... Uh, you know, just exuberance, like getting so jazzed up that we are encountering and experiencing the Lord's love. That is kind of, again, the, the Pentecostal continuation of that isolated moment. It's like tapping back into that right. vein. So typically this happens as a result of communal worship and right. doing things together. And then your expression, I think it can get a little hairy because it's almost like a competitive thing too mm-hmm. of like, Oh yeah, like he's really going. He's really got the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. and I think in some capacity there could be some health there where people's pursuit and and genuine desire to experience that, you know, elevation via joy, they want that. They're seeking that because they see mm-hmm. like the experience of another. So that's kind of broad strokes. Yeah, um, yeah. and and speaking in tongues. You know, First Corinthians 14, as we'll continue to go back as we visit all of these. Um, just the second verse. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries within his spirit. So this is one component of speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, the one that I think that I have personally experienced myself yeah. more so than another. Right. And that is where through diligence in worship and actively pursuing knowing the heart of God. Right. I don't have words in my English language right. that I feel like are adequately yielding praise to God. And maybe sometimes too, if I'm being honest, I don't really know what to say. I've expressed my gratitude and I've glorified God with all that I can, like you are the most high. Yeah. And there still feels like there's something more that I want to give yeah. or to recognize. And that's where something like speaking in tongues, it does, like, even in my mind, I think English is one language, but this tongues thing that doesn't necessarily have a description mm-hmm. or a classification here on earth does go beyond that scope. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to attribute that glory to God, perhaps I do need to do something that seems ludicrous on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be expression of uh, glory to God via tongues. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think um, maybe the most common view that I hear is people would say the gift of tongues is always like a different earthly known language that someone else can could understand. Yeah, and I and I think I would disagree with that because I think we see pretty clearly there, like you just read, he utters mysteries in the spirit. But then also, if you go back and, and contextually look at First Corinthians thirteen. The very first verse, which is the love chapter, is if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So men and angels is two separate distinctions in the tongues that we speak in. So I think that um, we see evidence for speaking in a language that's a heavenly language that no one um, can understand with just like their their human ears because it's not an earthly language. So I would not hold the viewpoint that speaking in tongues is always going to be an earthly language. And I think I think we see two different like almost 
not kinds of tongues, but two different actions of speaking in tongues, like what you alluded to in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, which would be kind of like the more personal, intimate um, prayer speaking in tongues. And then I think when we move down to 1 Corinthians 14, 6, I think is when we see the more corporate idea of speaking in tongues. So now, brothers, if I come to you, so we see he's coming to them, uh, speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some, or if I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Um, and there's more there we'll get into, but I think right off the bat we see that um, Paul says, like, if I come to you, so if I were to come to Nate and speak in tongues without any kind of interpretation, that would do nothing for Nate. If I am sitting in worship and, and the Lord puts it on my heart and I say, like, Lord, like, give, give me the gift of tongues, help me connect with you, whatever your prayer is there, and I start speaking in tongues, not to Nate, but just as myself, like in a prayer, I think that is a different kind of speaking in t- not a different kind of speaking in tongues, a different way of enacting speaking in tongues than if I were to come to Nate and speak in tongues to him. And I think that's where, um, even on the charismatic side, like at ORU, I don't know if it was like this when you were there, it would be a lot of, like Dr. Wilson would get on stage and be like, everybody lift up your own tongue, and then people would start speaking in tongues all around. And... I don't think I had language for it at the time, but I think I knew. I was like, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. Because I sat next to um, the basketball team for one semester. And I remember looking over one time when he said that. And one of the guys just like rolled their eyes and just looked deflated by it. Um, Because he's coming to them and he's speaking in a tongue. And that does nothing for the basketball player. Whereas if the prophetic word is given to that basketball player, the secrets of his heart are revealed. Like we talked about in our last episode. So... Um, I think that's a good distinction to make is that there's speaking in tongues in the context of prayer and there's speaking in tongues in the context of like the corporate setting. Um, and I think in the corporate setting is when we need interpretation to be prayed for. So Dr. Mark Rutland was the president at ORU for I think four years before mm-hmm. President Billy Wilson came yep. in. And I, man, I don't want to misspeak, but I do remember him telling us a story about a time where he was preaching. Uh-huh. And then he started preaching in a different language. Yeah. And then he gained that language, like mm-hmm. as as an understanding. And I think it was Spanish, where he was yeah. just talking. Um, and then the people who happened to be listening, that was their native tongue, and they yeah. better understood what he was communicating. Yeah. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, dang, I didn't know that was an option <laughs> for speaking in tongues. I thought it was either you get baptized by the Holy Ghost and you're doing it, you're just in the holy of holies, whatever, going after, or it's a thing that you, you like kind of turn on and you're like, oh, let's, let's get in there and start stirring this thing up and just Mm -hmm. start, you know, like prime of the pump basically for worship. Um, and so, yeah, that whenever I think about if God asked me to go somewhere and just through obedience, I went there Mm -hmm. and then there was an individual who I didn't have prior knowledge of meeting, uh, and I was not able to learn their language, and then I'm stuck looking across from them. I I believe it's in the realm of possibility for God to uh, speak to that person through yeah. me in their native tongue. Definitely. And then, you know, the ability for them to interpret or understand would be yielded, and they'd, they'd be able to understand, uh-huh. uh, yeah, what I was communicating. So, yeah, those two for sure. Um, I, I think that the distinction is pretty good. Yeah. It, it's helpful to know. Yeah, yeah there are times like that kind of gibberish thing that's going on. That's an expression of me to God speaking in the tongue yeah. of angels. Uh, 
uh, or, you know, this is corporate and I need to keep that in mind. What's the purpose of this right now? And it's to communicate with one another. And I, I think I follow up and just read a few more verses. And yep. again, uh, this is like a way bigger topic that we can probably cover effectively. So we'd always encourage you guys to, to hop in the word and, and do some studying and listening. But also uh, Google and or I'm going to give it as a recommendation for the first time. Chat GPT, baby, um, to help understand. We have a lot of tools that are available today to help us better understand the word. So crazy because AI is from the devil. So I can't believe. Okay, let's keep going then. But First Corinthians 14, 13, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone know the position of an outsider and say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? So I think, again, we see the distinction even if I'm just intimately praying with God and speaking in tongues, that's where I I think I don't ever want to see like a, a play on emotions where yeah um, I think sometimes when we talk about these gifts, it can get really emotional sometimes and we get so caught up in our emotions and the feeling and like the music, uh, like the bridge hitting at the perfect time that we kind of get a little bit out of control and um, our mind is unfruitful like we see here in the passage. So even if I am praying in tongues, I should still be praying that like I would understand what my heart is saying to the Father as I go through that there. So again, I and I, where is it? Um, decently in order. It's in First Corinthians as well. I'll find it later because I don't want to leave silence. But um, as we talk through these things, they need to be done like decently in order, as it says in First Corinthians fourteen. I think it's. I mean, is it yeah twenty three? Therefore, the whole church comes together and all speaks tongues that outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are out of your minds? I mean, that's the part that I think of where yeah. it's helpful for us to interpret. What am I actually saying? I don't want to just be yeah. a babbling loon <laughs> yeah. that doesn't have an interpretation. Here. Keep going. 1433, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Okay. Um, so, guys, we don't want this to be just like an emotional thing where there's a lot going on and we, we lose the gift of discernment. Um, and we we don't really focus on worshiping God anymore. We're focused on the emotional event that's happening right in front of us. Yeah. Whenever, uh, and maybe we'll we'll transition to yours, your upbringing and kind of belief structure here in just a second, but I was just thinking about, whenever I was looking up some of this stuff, it felt like uh, the cessationist, perspective made a little bit more it, sense I to me. I was going to say that earlier. I think the, the cessationist, like, uh, kind of alarms they raise with the gift of tongues. Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. I just don't agree that it means that it's done. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, it, there were just some things where I, I think I didn't give as much credibility, um, because it just wasn't my perspective or my opinion. And then now after looking up, I'm like, okay, actually there's, there's some valid points that were kind of raised. Yeah. Um, and and to to remind those of you who have listened to some other ones, it's this perspective that the the manifestation of the Holy Spirit ceased after that first you know hundred years. Um, that the Holy Spirit was there to mm -hmm. aid in kind of sparking this new generation of believers of Christians to spread the word, to spread the gospel about what Jesus had done, and you know the the initial. 3,000 that were converted mm -hmm. 
were converted as a result of these, you know, like incredible acts of God uh, and manifestations of his spirit. So um, in Acts 2, you know, the, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them in his own language. That kind of, it reminds me of that story from Dr. Rutherland. Like, yeah. wait, I, I know everything that you're saying and you don't know that language. Right. <laughs> and yet... Um, it aided in the the rapid communication yeah. of who Jesus is, and now thousands of years later, we still have that right. uh, that man, uh, God, as a result of that oral tradition. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I wanted to bring that point up. Be like, this is what I originally believed. Here's some of the argument from the other side, and mm-hmm. I didn't think that I would find myself favoring some of their yeah thoughts and justification. And Acts two, I think it's funny because I think that's what Pentecostals would point to as like. Yeah, uh, that is where we see that indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes from the gift of tongues. I My belief system, and I think the understanding that I have, is not that um, the full 3,000 are operating in the gift of tongues as well as they receive the Holy Spirit. I think the disciples are are operating in the gift of tongues as they receive the Holy Spirit as well. Right. And then um, they are then communicating to the thousands that are there with the Holy Spirit. So I don't think that that's necessarily a good point to look at and say, oh, this means that you have to speak in tongues to have an indwelling in the Holy Spirit. I I just wouldn't, I just can't get there. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't necessarily think that uh, Pentecostal would use that saying that the 3,000 gained, but it was more just um, the conversion that happened. And again, that kind of just goes back to that moment. That's kind of the whole motivation like the great commission is a big deal going out there and and from the pentecostal faith it's like hey people got to know they'll have the thing experience and then they'll be converted and then they'll go out and do the same yeah um which is actually i mean still good but i think that is kind of how it works but but you know just that your salvation becomes determined by maybe your persistence at knocking on the door and say like Am I God? Am I good enough to receive this gift? And then once I do, mm-hmm. okay, I think I kind of made it through the safe zone. Yeah, that's where there's maybe a, a flaw. And I think any time that we see an emotion, not an emotional, any time we see like an experience happen with the Holy Spirit, that always needs to be followed up with like spiritual disciplines. It always needs to be followed up with discipleship. If it's someone's first time encountering the Holy Spirit, we can't just rely on like these one-off things to be the foundation of our faith. Like we have to follow up. With, with consistent discipleship conversations for people who don't understand these things that have just happened. And we can't, um, like, just put aside the spiritual disciplines that come along after these, uh, I guess, moments happen and just keep relying on these moments to be the things that keep our faith clicking. So I think that would be just another little distinction that I would make as we're talking about, like, the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll say, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's always followed with the gift of tongues. And I think it's not just like a one-time baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think we should always seek to have like a fresh fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to call that baptism if you don't want it. Um, but I don't think that always looks like the gift of tongues and someone falling on the ground, shaking, laughing, and, and speaking in an un- unintelligible tongue. I think like the in, the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit can sometimes just look like someone having a greater comprehension of like God's grace and worship. I'm trying to, yeah, there, there was a... Instagram video that I saw of two guys who were, I think they were just in Discord and they were talking with one another. Somebody was live streaming and it was a Bible talk, very niche like video that I ended up right. That's how the algorithm works. And um, the the point was that 
the two of them were talking about salvation Mm -hmm. and one of them walked the other through the fact that, you know, if when you get to heaven, what's your answer for why you're there? And Mm -hmm. if it has anything to do with what you've done, Mm -hmm. then you've missed the point. Right. You know, and then so for the other guy, he's like, he kept trying to defend. He's like, yes, but it does matter. And in some of his arguments, he was correct. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, our our heart posture does d- directly impact our ability uh, to receive more uh, from God, and like that constant pursuit and discipleship. Those are all right. things to help aid us in our this long, consistent walk in the same direction. But there was just this moment where he just like sat back. He said, "Oh, thank you so much, brother, for for explaining that to me." He said, "Brother," and I was like, yeah. "Hulk Hogan, also, yeah, brother." Brother Terry. Brother Terry. Yeah. I talked to Ron about him the other day. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. But that moment uh, of clarity for him, yeah, it, it was just like this fresh understanding. Um, and it was awesome. It was really cool to see, even in just in a quick minute-long little video on Instagram. Yeah. So Nice. Thanks to those random guys that did that thing and shared it on the internet. Nice. That's yeah. just like us, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you? I do want to hear a little bit about yeah. like where you come from uh-huh. um, on the topic of tongues. Yeah, and I think I, I like I probably alluded to. I just came from a really healthy church. Uh, they would probably call themselves more continuous than charismatic, or like charismatic with seatbelt. Um, so I was a raised Pentecostal, and so the gift of tongues is not like I was not taught that that is the evidence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, gift like people would would speak in tongues, but it was never like this whole service, everyone speaking in tongues, um, like the instruments are playing really loudly. It was always just very decently and in order. And I think because I was raised so um, just in such a good church concerning the gifts of the Spirit, when I got to a place like ORU and like I alluded to earlier, the the kind of the misuse of the gift of tongues, um, I think that's why I was just a little bit like, yeah, something here is not quite right. And I think and the gift of the Spirit we haven't talked about yet is kind of the gift of discernment. I think that that's something that the Lord has kind of that he's gifted me with um, is an ability to tell um, through like the guidance of the Holy Spirit like what's what's from Him and what's good and what's maybe too much and kind of missing the mark. And I think concerning the gift of tongues, that's one of the areas that I feel like the Lord has just um, kind of awaken, awoken my heart in the middle of, of kind of worship services to be like, yeah, this is good and people are being edified and like the church is being built up. And when it's like, okay, I think we're past that and people are just caught up in their emotions now. Um, so yeah, yeah. Really healthy church went to ORU, loved it. Still would vouch for ORU. Don't agree with their, um, viewpoint of tongues. And then now I'm kind of in the place where I'm alluded to like, yeah, speak in tongues interpersonally with you and God pray that you'll know what you're saying. Um, and then if you're practicing the gift of tongues corporately, again, pray that you would interpret. Um, and make sure that that is something that we're doing in community well. Do you think everybody should pray for the ability and the gifting of interpreting tongues? Yeah, so I I think interpreting tongues and speaking in tongues are two different gifts, but again, I think that we're called to pursue all the gifts and that we should pray um, that one, we receive the gift of tongues, and that two, that yeah, we receive to interpret the gift of tongues. How often should I pray to interpret? To interpret tongues? Yeah. Not receive the gift of tongues to interpret. Yeah. As often as you pray to receive the gift of tongues, that's how often you should pray to and receive the gift of interpretation. What if I'm not praying for either of them? You should start. <laughs> is that what you're looking for? I don't need, I'm, this is just Nathan asking Micah. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not praying for, uh, those. Mm-hmm. 
And I would say, man, I think there, there, there have been times in my life where I have prayed and it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. It was like, it's a cool superpower, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I do. I don't like that, actually. I don't know if I mentioned that. You did. You you did. Which is okay. Still say it if you want to. Yeah. But that's what I'm, like my genuine perspective yeah. like of, of, man, that is a cool thing. Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, important to like clarify motivations. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for self to benefit, uh-huh. I think it'd be cool. Uh-huh. For, um, you know, like the environment or the people around me, uh-huh. like, I I don't know if you've ever been a part of a group where somebody was speaking in tongues and then everybody awkwardly sits <laughs> down and then it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> thanks, buddy. And yeah. now nobody has anything. Yeah. Um, that's awkward. So mm-hmm. safe, safe face for that awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, and when I think about the last few years of my life, yeah, tongues just hasn't been one of those things. I think I definitely put a higher priority yeah. maybe five years ago on the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even just in the last... I think that's okay. Like, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. what we see again. Yeah, I mean, that there will be different... That, that scripture does talk about, um, you know, pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Especially that you may prophesy. And then it clarifies. Yeah. It goes one layer deeper and it says... Yes, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I was like, "Wow, this is this is good." I I, mm-hmm. I I think if I don't have those desires, I do want my desires to be replaced with those. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that I'll want. Um, and Clay Stairs always talked about increasing your wanter, mm-hmm. which I like that. It's yeah. simplistic language that communicates very effectively what the goal is. Like, yeah. man, God, I. Life is hard right now, uh-huh. and yet I want you to come and change my heart, and I want you to increase the desire for knowing you more in my own life. Right. Um, and that's always been a helpful prayer for me. So even if I don't clearly articulate God, you know, give me this gifting, if I increase my wanter, that's going to yield to me asking for more of uh, yeah. the, 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 gift of the, the gifts of the Spirit. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. Last thing I would say is, as you mentioned, like, how often should I ask for the gifts? That's a conviction of mine over the last year or so is I think I was probably more in the camp that I talked about earlier. It's like, yeah, I believe in the gift of tongues, but I'm just going to fall back on, yeah, but you need to interpret and then not follow up at all. So now I'm at the point where I, it's it's a spiritual discipline to remind myself to pray for the gift of tongues that I would encounter the the Holy Spirit. I mean, can connect with God that way. So um, it's a conviction of mine, in, like I said, in the last year to pray for the gift of tongues and pray for the interpretation of tongues more often. So that's that. cool. That's good. Nice. What are you going to do this weekend? Um, I don't know, actually. I'm going to Charleston next weekend. So not this one, but next one. So this one's kind of like my my pre-big trip. Low-key. Relax. Uh, Yeah, let's see. I think Friday there's a soccer game. Saturday there's a cover band. Do you know the cover band that I'm going to mention? It's just called my so-called band. They're from OKC, so oh, I don't no. even know them, but... All oh. they do is like early two thousands mm-hmm. alternative. Oh, that's fun. Like it's just it's amazing. You look around. I I see people from high school, yeah, college, like all over the place. But uh, I'll give a shout out to Jasper Wilderness because they played at the Live Golf event that I was at last Saturday, and they did a great job. So shout out to Jasper. That's awesome. Book I think your show. I love them. Book them. Yeah. Book. I uh I, following their Instagram page, it was fun to see like. Initially, it got rained out a little bit, but then the next day they ended up posting, like, 
our faces whenever Live Golf made us feel like a really big deal. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just cool. Yeah, they're awesome. They're having fun. Their music's good. Yeah. And um, Live Golf is awesome too. Brought some. <laughs> Live Golf is awesome. I'll make this. Did you have a good time? I loved it. I like the idea of Live Golf, like making. You would have loved it. I. Their slogan is golf, but louder. I it's just golf, but there's music playing. Like that is your kind of golf. It's, it is a much, much closer to my heart kind of golf uh-huh. than the PGA. Uh-huh. Know. Yep. Yeah. I like them both, but that's uh, good. Enjoy your golf. Actually, Mike and I are we're about to go hit some balls, some dingers. Right. <laughs> I'm not really a golfing boy, but hey, I can get a bucket of balls and have a good time with the boys. But. Uh, <laughs> Hey, love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with another gift of the spirit in a following week. Probably, hopefully, next week. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. It's on the calendar. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) 